As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. Chuck's here, too. Jerry's here, too. Dave's not, but you know the jam. And this is Short Stuff. You go. (laughs) Okay, I'll go. So um, we're talking about the Benin Bronzes. And they are a treasure trove of artworks that came out of Benin, which is uh, a former kingdom. Actually, it's still a current kingdom in Edo State in the south of Nigeria right now. Um, But uh, before Nigeria was Nigeria... Uh, Benin was a, a kingdom along West Africa that was a very powerful kingdom. Yeah. And one of the things that they did when uh, a new uh, a king, which they called an Oba, O-B-A, or a new queen mother uh, ascended to the throne when there was some sort of um, uh, important event or even something that they just wanted to kind of chronicle, they would make these plaques, these incredibly intricate, well-made um, bronze plaques. And over time, over hundreds of years of creating these things and documenting the kingdom, they ended up with a lot of these things. And, and so much so that um, it became essentially considered a cultural legacy of, of the world, but in particular of Benin in, in West Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, what a setup. Thanks. I've been you practicing know, it for like eight you days. really know what you're doing. Uh, they also serve as a historical record, of course, because like you said, they came along when there were new obas and new queen mothers. So it's it's art and it's history all wrapped up into one. And one element of uh, the historical part of it is uh, how it figures in, and this very much figures in with sort of the story here, mm-hmm. is their contact with Europeans and uh, in, in Europe, in these countries, the first of which was uh, the Portuguese, when they started trading and having diplomatic uh, contacts and relations with Portugal. Mm -hmm. So they were sort of the first on board. They would uh, send emissaries back and forth uh, between Portugal and Benin, and they negotiated their their deal, their trade deal, their sort of uh, how they were going to work together as people. And uh, that's where Europe enters the picture, basically, as far as Benin is concerned. Yeah, and it was just the Portuguese at first. That was, I don't know if you said it or not, but starting in the 15th century, they, yeah. they made contact and were trading with them. Uh, and then shortly after that, this is like the age of discovery um, where people from Europe just started sailing around being like, hey, hey, who wants to buy our stuff and whose stuff can we buy? So yeah, very, or take. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they were very quickly followed by the French, the Dutch, the English, and Benin's trading with all of these European nations. And um, they were already a fairly powerful kingdom from what I can tell, but they became exponentially powerful because they positioned themselves as the um, the contact between European traders and uh, countries and kingdoms and states in the interior. You wanted to trade with any other groups in West Africa, you needed to go through the kingdom of Benin to do that if you were European. And so they became very, very powerful. And that's kind of how things went for a couple of centuries. Um, they were they became really involved in the West African slave trade. They supplied slaves to the Europeans. They traded leopard skins, pepper, um, ivory. 
things that were really valued in Europe. They had a lot of stuff that the Europeans wanted. So like I said, they became powerful. But as um, industrialization started to really take hold in, the, the, in Europe, particularly in the UK, Great Britain became more and more powerful and essentially, eventually, I should say, dominated trade with West Africa and Benin in particular. But they weren't happy with having a monopoly. They wanted to get rid of Benin altogether and just be able to trade with people in the interior. Why should they have a middleman? And so they started to kind of antagonize Benin and things just kind of went south from there. It's a little early, but I think we should take a break because it's such a good cliffhanger. Wow. Thanks, man. All right. We'll be right back. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So uh, when we left off, uh, Great Britain was like, hey, you know what? We don't need this gatekeeper anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't need a middleman. We want to be able to do what we want in Africa, in Central Africa, and not go through Benin. So in 1897, in January of that year, uh, they supposedly a, a peaceful mission, but it was a pretty aggressive, provocative thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the British trade mission uh, went in and um, they were attacked uh, when they were on their way to Benin City. And, and this really changed everything. There were seven British delegates uh, who died in this attack. Uh, I think 230 of the African carriers died. But as far as Britain was concerned, is it's on now because seven of us are dead. And that triggered a 
a, a full-scale uh, a, a retaliatory military assault and expedition mm-hmm. uh, on Benin, which, of course, was no match at all for the British forces at the time. Yeah, no, it, it was something that Great Britain could point to and just could be like, oh, look, we don't have any moral quandary anymore. We, we can go take over Benin now. Um, as as under the guise of revenge, this, this is called the punitive expedition, and so they sent in a bunch of a large military contingent, and they just occupied Benin, killed off a lot of the chiefs, they exiled the Oba, um, they pillaged, and this is really critical. This is kind of the yeah. point of this short stuff. They pillaged stuff they found, treasures they found in Benin, and one of the things they pillaged was the Benin bronzes. And in addition to those plaques that we talked about, the Benin bronze, that, that term, um, it, it's like an umbrella term to describe a whole group of artworks that were created yeah. in the kingdom of Benin from about the at least the 15th century up until the 19th century. Although there's, they seem to have been creating pretty great artworks even before that 15th century, like in the medieval era. Um, but this, it could be made of ivory. It could be made of brass. Um, it could be made of bronze, all sorts of different media um, and, and making jewelry or making busts or making uh, altarpieces or making those plaques. All of those are encompassed by this Benin bronze term. And all of those were pillaged. I think 10,000 uh, yeah. pieces of art and cultural um, artifacts were pillaged during this occupation by the British uh, of Benin. Yeah, and a lot of that went back to the UK. Uh, you know, they call that spoils of war, which is a nice way to say things we stole after we invaded a country. Right. And uh, some of it they uh, distributed among some of the people of the expedition. Like, here, you take this, you take this, I'll be taking this. And they uh, basically removed Benin as that gatekeeper. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Central Africa was open for all of Europe to trade with, uh, certainly England. And these artifacts uh, ended up, you know, where where they always end up, in the hands of uh, nobility, uh, private collections, and notably museums where a lot of this stuff are still in these museums today, right? Yeah, the two largest collections are held by the British Museum and the Ethnographic Museum in Berlin. And um, even though that, that umbrella term, uh, Benin Bronzes, refers to a lot of different artworks, Typically, you're also really talking about those plaques that show yeah. different, you know, different Obas ascending to the throne, different, um, you know, moments in Benin history. Um, and, and they're they're considered like a, a again, I think I said a, a, a cultural legacy of humanity, but they're also just treasure. I mean, they're worth, Chuck, I saw an estimated $130 billion dollars. <sighs> They yeah. are priceless. I guess not priceless. They're worth right. $130 billion, <laughs> But they're incredibly valuable, not just um, monetarily, but also culturally and historically. And they are outside of Africa. There was a, a French report um, by a restitution group um, that, that was commissioned by Emmanuel Macron in 2017 that estimated that 90 to 95 percent of Africa's cultural heritage is held by major museums outside of Africa yeah. because of the, something called the scramble for Africa in the late 19th century when all these European powers just invaded Africa and started carving it up and turning it into colonies. They took all the stuff that they liked and sent it back to Europe. And it's still in these museums. 
Yeah, but uh, – and this is something we've talked about before in some other art podcasts. Part of that 2017 study, uh, the whole point of that was uh, repatriation, was getting this art back into the hands of uh, the, the countries of origin, mm-hmm. um, these stolen artifacts. And Emmanuel Macron said, you know what, over the next five years, we're going to return the stuff that we have. Uh, Germany got involved. Uh, the Smithsonian, like individual museums, the Smithsonian and uh, the Met uh, all have said, like, all right, we need to start, you know, returning these um, these looted art pieces, uh, especially these – or not especially, but for this episode, you know, notably these uh, bronze plaques from Nigeria. And so Nigeria is getting so much stuff back that uh, next year – I don't know if it's still on track, but in 2025 – um, they are opening the Edo Museum of West African Art because they finally have art again. Yeah, there was a sculptor from uh, Nigeria called Ahan Hazo Glele. Uh, he's a sculptor and uh, said that there's uh, an artistic awakening in Nigeria because of the return of these bronzes. Yeah, but I think this one uh, in particular comes with a little bit of controversy, right? Because the um, what the current... Uh, Oba, is that right? Yes. His, his Royal Majesty Oba uh, Uwar II? I'm going with Uware. Uware II, okay. Um, legally speaking, is the rightful owner of these bronzes, but um, in 2023, uh, Muhammadu Bahari, who was the outgoing president, said, you know, any of this looted stuff that comes back uh, to the Oba like belongs to the Oba and the palace of the Oba and no one can do anything with it unless the Oba says so. Yeah. And if you are in Nigeria and like Benin, it's still, uh, it's just a department. Like we said, it's, it's a not considered like an independent nation state or even kingdom, I guess it's part of Nigeria, but it's like the, the Oba has like a government advisory role to the Nigerian government. Like they're, they're viewed legitimately in similar lines to the way the man I'm somebody's going to kill us for this I'll bet but the royal family is in Great Britain they don't actually rule Great Britain but they still have they're still consulted on things they still have um, some sort of cultural importance as well that's the impression that I have there but so the Nigerian president doing that it makes total sense in Nigeria like it was the kingdom of Benin's to begin with the kingdom of Benin is still there the Oba is the leader of the kingdom of Benin and an ancestor or descendant of these, these people from whom these plaques were stolen. It makes sense that it's his. But outside of Nigeria, if you're a museum curator, you don't like the sound of that at all. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some complaints from these uh, Western museums who are like, you know, I, I don't know about returning all this stuff and having it just be claimed by the palace. And uh, you know, a- apparently the museum director there, uh, Philip uh, Ihinako, is how I'm going to pronounce it, although I have a feeling that I might be silent, said, you know what? You don't really get a say in this yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Like, you can't loot this stuff over, a, you know, a long period of time and then, A, expect it to be, you know, handled like you want or handled, you know, perfectly in a very quick manner. Right. And so, yeah, the West is like, okay, you know, we we agreed like these are illegitimately taken from Benin. So they need to go back to Benin. Um, and they're just going to have to deal with the fact that this this cultural legacy of humanity is privately owned by one person, the Oba of Benin. 
I mean, is it the complaint that it's not going to be or not necessarily going to be on display? I don't know because they built the the uh, Museum of West African Art. So I imagine a lot of it will go in I don't know that there. that's it. I think the idea is in the West, if a museum owns something, it belongs to everybody. And the museums is kind of the keeper of that. They protect it. They keep gotcha. it safe. They, they show you this, this stuff. They put it on display. This is like, no, this, these things belong to the Oba. He can do whatever he wants yeah. with them, essentially. Okay. So they're afraid it's just going to be like decorating the bathroom or something. I guess. I think so. I'm not sure. I just think that they're a little skittish about the whole thing. And the, I think yeah. the guy who's like, well, West needs to butt out of it and just give us our plaques back. It's tough not to. Yes. It's tough to discount his his thoughts, too. Are you got anything else? I got nothing else. If you want to know more about the Benin bronzes, go look them up online. They're really fascinating and beautiful. And since I said that, short stuff's out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.